Thank you for tuning in to Hill Country Fellowship's audio podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired as you listen today. For more information, visit us online at hcfburnett.org. You ever have those services where the preacher preaches and then you're like, were you talking to me? Anybody? I know a lot of you do because you say that as if I really do it sometimes. But I know why. You were like talking to me. I'm like, stop talking to me. I mean, we have struggles these days, man. But there ain't no struggle we can't overcome through the blood of Christ and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're doing this series, War for Your Heart, because it's real life stuff taking care of all that God's done in us as he transformed us and as he's, as he's called us to be, be uh, diligent in guarding our hearts, guard them above all things, for that's where life comes from, that's where life flows from. And so, so we're learning how to do that so that our relationships can be for the other person so that I'm I'm good with you Jesus Holy Spirit you're healing me and protecting me and teaching me and now I'm gonna go out and live for the sake of others like my Jesus did and then I'll accept all the the wonderful things they pour into my life and I won't be like hmm why are you doing that because I'm free I'll just be like whoo what a gift let me just give my life away that's why we're doing this series war for your heart is to is to take care of that most precious creation of God. And so we looked at what it meant to, uh, you know, to put on the full armor of God last week and, and stand strong in the midst of the, the battles for the lives of other people and that common enemy that this Dennis mentioned, uh, Satan, who is, who is totally against you, but he's totally against unsaved people too. And so we live on purpose for them. And today we're talking about taking thoughts captive. Probably one of the most challenging, difficult disciplines of the Christian life to take thoughts captive. Paul starts off in, or we're going to start off today by looking at what Paul says in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. And he says this, We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. I mean, just think of that right there. He says some big stuff there, but one of the parts that really challenges me, take every thought captive. I'm sure there's a study on it that says how many thoughts that we have in a given day. Uh, Some people are going to have more than others and some of us are going to be on more of the Homer Simpson side, and so we're just going to drool a lot, but we're still going to have thoughts, and some are going to be on the, uh, you know, the side where, you know, like one of my kids that just talks nonstop, has a thought nonstop about everything. We're going to be somewhere in the middle probably, but imagine taking every single thought captive. Anybody ever been where there's like more mosquitoes than you could imagine or more gnats around you than imagine? Imagine trying to grab every one of those all the time. That's probably easier than taking every thought captive. But we're told to do that. So the only way it can happen is through the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We must learn the discipline of taking all of our thoughts captive. If not, the negative ones will consume us. And even healthy ones that are from Jesus might just pass us by. Like Paul says, take the thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ well, some of that is you're struggling right now and Jesus is saying, I love you. And you're like, uh, uh, I'm, too, I'm too unworthy or I'm struggling or I'm too, I'm too busy thinking about what matters. 
And Jesus is like, rest in me. And like, ah, ah. So we take those thoughts captive to do something with them. Sometimes we get rid of them. And sometimes we need them to, to feed our souls and bring peace over our hearts and our minds. So our goal is that we would grow as disciples in having the mind of Jesus. Philippians 2.5 tells us, Paul says, think like Jesus. Have the same attitude that Jesus had. Think the way he thought. Now pause for a moment there. He's telling us, think like Jesus. Have those same thoughts. Does that seem like a tall order to anybody? I mean, come on, man. I, I mean, it's just like, how you could ask me to play ball like Michael Jordan, it would be easier than thinking like Jesus, except we're told we can because he never tells us to do anything that we're not able to do by the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And the way Jesus thought led to the way Jesus lived. That's why the mind is so important. We're talking about a war for your heart in this series. So much of what happens in our minds affects our hearts. The way that we think leads to the way that we live. It'll either consume you or, or it'll, it'll drive you or it'll cause you to live in fear or live in hate, live in anger. Anybody struggle with living in anger the last year and a half of life? Yes. Dealing with anger? Maybe not all the time, but maybe 99% of the time. I mean, anybody? Right? Things make us angry. We, we're going to struggle with anger through the course of history. Probably for those that are gospel-centered believers who follow Jesus, we have had to deal with a, with a lot of anger over the past year and a half. Just of things that we've seen that we know, that's not healthy. That's not right. That's not good. That's not kind. That's not loving. That's not compassionate. That's infringing. That's trying to take away this or that from my life. That's destroying this. And we get angry about it. But if we think like Jesus, we see that he never, ever sinned, even with all the stuff that he had to deal with in his life. And we see this play out. Paul says in verse 5 of Philippians 2, think like Jesus did. And then verses 6 through 11, he tells us, hey, those thoughts he had led to this way that he lived. In humility, for the sake of others, even to the point of death, for people who were against him and who caused all the sin in the world. So our big idea today is that your mind is a battleground. Stay vigilant. Your mind is a battleground. The enemy is trying to, to persuade you, dissuade you, affect you, infect you, do whatever he can to make your life less than in Christ. It's a battleground, so stay vigilant. Just like we're supposed to be vigilant in guarding our hearts, we have to be the same with our minds. And God actually tells us exactly what to think about, how to think. Paul again in Philippians chapter 4, verses uh, 6 through 9, he says this. Don't worry about anything. Okay. Right there, I'm like, okay, F. Uh, can I get an F minus? I don't. Okay. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Oh, I see where you're going. Tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Amen. Then you will, you will, guaranteed, God's word, you will experience God's peace, which exceeds 
anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, Paul says. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about things that are excellent and are worthy of your praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, Paul says, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. He tells us how to do it. This is where your mind must go, must learn to stay, must live, and must live out of. Think about this instead. That's why Stennis was talking about it, the relationships. That's why good fellowship is so key in, in, in the war for your heart. It's why we love to tell people, get in a real life group and have that small caring community. Or, or ladies, on, on Tuesday, we're, we're starting back up with Connect Women's Ministry. Get here and be a part of that small caring community of women who are, who are doing life together, following Jesus and learning from his word. Men, Thursdays is our day. 6 a.m. here, 6 a.m. in Marble, 8 a.m. in Horseshoe Bay, but noon here. We're just studying the word of God and, and just seeing what Jesus has for us in his written word, which he is, because he's the word. We learn more about Jesus while being a part of a smaller family-like setting and doing that together. This is great. This is a celebration day Sunday. And we come together, we praise, we sing, we have a blast, we shake hands and hug, and our kids get, get taught well, and, and we hear a word from God to us. All those things are great. But in those smaller settings, we can talk about it a little more. It's, it's hard if you want to ask me a question to really like go into that on a Sunday. Somebody's like, oh, I got an example. Well, if we did that, we'd, you know, we'd be camping here. And so this is great. This is a celebration. Those smaller caring communities are where we get to peel apart, pull apart, talk about, ah, I'm struggling here. This happened in my life. I don't get what Jesus says. I think that's unfair. Nobody in, in service on Sunday is going to say, I don't like what Jesus said there. It's, not, it's awkward. But in a small caring community, you go, I don't really like that. Help me. And so that's what that's all about, is, is getting in those smaller fellowships to do life together, to learn about this Jesus more and have other people be able to pour into us while we pour into other people so we can learn to think like Jesus and then think on those things that Paul says to think on. We discover the purpose of life while being a part of other people's lives. Wednesday Night Live, it's another great place to, to learn and to do life in a smaller setting. It's great. We meet right over here, feed everybody. Kids get to go and have time with Pastor Jordan, learning uh, about the same principles that we're studying through. And, and we're finding Jesus in every book of the Bible because it is his word. And we have a lot of fun doing it. And the more that we see Jesus in the lives of others, the more that we see Jesus in every book in this entire Bible, the more that we learn to think like Jesus.
the easier taking thoughts captive becomes, the more we see victory in the war for our hearts. And so if I learn about my Savior, the only one who could ever transform me, and I learn with, with uh, 10 people or 25 people or whatever it is, or maybe a little bit of a larger setting in, in a Bible study ministry group, if I, if I see Jesus and I learn about him more, I'm going to have an easier time both understanding him and thinking like him and then having people encourage me and maybe course correct me. You could come in here every Sunday for 10 years and never have one person course correct you if you're living a crazy life the other days of the week because you can hide in here if you want. It's a, it's a lot harder to do that in, in a smaller family-like setting because that's actually your family. The, the reality is family calls out family in a good way, hopefully. I mean, some of us say, you know, it's like Thanksgiving, oh no. But that's not here. That's like life, life around us, not life in Christ. And this taking thoughts captive, it's a tough habit to form. So let others help you grow in it, and then you help others too. You learn to, to receive what they've got to give you, but then you learn to give away to them. You're, you let them love on you while you're loving on them. It's doing life together as a family to discover what Jesus has for you. Because if you try to run it solo or just do Christianity in your head and you're like, I'm going to come to church, but I'm not going to talk to anybody or talk about anything or share anything. I'm just going to make it, you know, stay here because I don't want nobody to know my business. It's it's not going to work out well for you. The more easily... The enemy will harass you and influence your thought life if you try to do it solo. If you try to figure it out on your own and and have no loving accountability. I mean, look at King Saul. King Saul and David are great contrast for this entire series that we're in, War for Your Heart, because they're basically, each of them could be used as as an example every sermon that we're doing uh, throughout this series. And and King Saul in, in 1 Samuel 18 we see this interesting story begin to play out. And, of course, David had just defeated Goliath and all this stuff had happened. And we talked about it a little bit last week. But, but in, in, at the beginning of chapter 18, they're coming back from war and the women are singing songs. And they're basically like, whoa, God did all this stuff. David killed tens of thousands and saw thousands. And you know what? What should have been a celebration? And maybe they shouldn't have put numbers to it. I don't know. But... What should have been a celebration turned into a bitter moment in Saul's life that literally drove him insane. I mean, he he hears this song, and because he had never dealt with the dead cows in his field, rejection, fear of man issues, uh, pride, uh, whatever drove him to to get involved in, in witchcraft, all those things, he never dealt with that stuff. He was a liar and a manipulator and he he justified sinning against God. All those things he had in his life he never dealt with. Well, when the opportunity came, the enemy's like, oh, I'm releasing the buzzards. And and he'd never put on the the full armor of God in the right way. He, He put on his own armor as he saw fit. He never took his thoughts captive. And it says, it says that that he he started to have these thoughts like, oh, they're singing that song, so, so when's David going to cut my head off and take over the kingdom? It went from, David just fought a battle for you to kill Goliath, 
and give you basically back your kingdom and, and us celebrating to, oh, he's going to take over now. That's how, and he went quick. Crazy. Jealousy. Bitter thoughts. Selfish. Ungrateful. That's what consumed him. And he became obsessed and delusional. Tormented, the Bible says. Fearful. It drove him into madness. Literally. He literally let him, his thoughts take him from, from what should have been a celebration moment to trying to kill his now son-in-law, the, the best warrior he had, the one uh, that was supposed to be the one that he mentored, this, this future king, the one who actually saved his kingdom and gave him back his kingship instead of them being beaten by the Philistines. Your mind is a battleground. Stay vigilant. Don't be like Saul. So the big question that we, we ask or we, we try to figure out is how? Like, how do I even take 10% of my thoughts captive, much less every single thought? How do I stay vigilant in that? Again, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10 that we already read that we, we destroy everything that comes against God and God's ways. And we take down every man-made opinion that tries to change God's truth, either truth out there or truth to me, who I am in Christ. It, we, we take it down, anything that tries to get us off track. Anybody find themselves getting a little off track lately? Anybody look at, and I'm not, I mean, I, if I could go back in time, I would, whatever it would be to, to blip out social media life, but we're there, it's here, but anybody find that your social media takes you away, even if it's like, I'm not really into all that stuff, I'm just really into this. You know, whatever it is, it might not be that you get into arguments, but maybe it's just, social media is all about some me time. I need, I'm actually walking to Stripes, I need to take a picture. I have to tell somebody that I need a tamale right now, you know? We laugh, but it's true. There are people that run into things in, in, in shopping areas because they're looking at themselves taking pictures and, and narrating their life. I'm in a Costco the other day, and a guy's narrating his Costco moment. And I'm like, bro, it's Costco. I mean, I get good deals on gummy snacks and all, but dude, there ain't no reason to narrate your life for some four people who think that they need that for their life. The enemy wants you off track, whether it be anger and bitter or just you, 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 and a little more you with some photos snapped. We take thoughts captive and we let Jesus determine what remains and how we act from that. So we got to put into action a little a little learning tool that I call the fine art of the grab and toss. The grab and toss. So, now we're going to see why this trash can's up here. So you got this over here. This is your nope garbage can. And um, so we're going to talk about, do not talk about my writing. Typically I end up writing like I slope down like that. So grab and toss. Thought comes into my mind. 
Go do this. Makes you feel good. It goes against Jesus. And uh, it'll ruin your life. I grabbed that thought. That is not from Jesus, and that is not good for me. I grabbed the thought, and it goes in the note bucket. I don't want that. I take the thought captive. Maybe you get some, some thought that, that pops into your mind, and you're like, ah, I should just rail on that person and slam him because he's wrong. Like, I'm literally right. My right lines up with, with some words in here. I need to tear him down a little bit. I grab it. Lord, do you want me to do that? You want me to be in right relationship instead? But I'm a good, you know, justice guy. I, I know how to tell right from wrong. Integrity, integrity, integrity. Okay. You don't want me to be a part of that one. I'll grab it. And I'll toss it. Man. She sure is good looking and I'm kind of bored with my spouse. We know that's a quick grab and toss. But we also know that it destroys more than half the marriages in our nation. Man, I could just use one more drink. There's nothing un unethical or unlawful about, about drinking. My, I don't think my alcohol level is that high. And that comes into your mind and you take the thought captive and God says... It's not good for you. It's not good for you. I'm not condemning your life and I'm not condemning beer or whatever, but that's not good for you right now. So I take that thought, I need one more drink, and I go, no, I don't. I don't. Whew, I sure hate my president. I'd love to pray against him and destroy him and tear him down and then talk about it. That is a big temptation, I know, for this guy. I don't know about you, although I know about some of you. <laughs> we're, we're in the same boat. But I'm not a human being who follows Jesus and was transformed and saved from my pride-filled, anger-filled anger life that is called to hate anyone. I don't care who they are. So I take the thought captive. And I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to grab a toss, but I'm going I'm to slam dunk this one. Because I, I just, I don't want that in my life, God. Maybe you get a thought comes in, it's like, hey, you need to change jobs. Here's a job offer for you. That's not sin. It's also not written in the gospel that you take the best job that's given to you every single time. So take the thought captive and you're like, well, I got to pray more about it. So pray more. I'm going to put that in the pray more, be diligent category. I'm going to pray more about it. I'm not going to toss it. I'm also not going to run with it just because it looks good on logical paper. I'm just going to pray more about it. Hey, Homeschool your kids. I don't hate public school. I don't hate private school. I've never homeschooled. I love my kids. None of them are absolute gospel-centered decisions. You can't find a verse. But man, that's a big decision. Like you want me to homeschool those kids all day long for the rest of their high school life, their school career? I'm certainly going to pray about that a lot more. I'm going I'm to I'm put that on the Jesus board up there, right? But I'm going to pray about it. Ask her to marry you. Whoo, that's a good godly thing to marry a good godly woman. Marriage for a lifetime is a big deal. I'm not going to be like, ooh, I like her. We get along. We laugh. I'm going I'm to put a ring on that finger. No, I, that might be a God thought. But I, I would say uh, let's be diligent and pray more so that I can have a marriage for a lifetime that I know God led me into. Right? Right? 
Sometimes there's the, what I call the keep it category. You just, you hear from the Lord and you're just blessed by it. You're struggling. Maybe you sinned that way. You had a fight with your spouse and God says, son, I love you so much. Your flesh says you can't love me because I just blew it. But the word of God says he loves us. So I'm just going to take that one. I don't be like, yeah, I'm going to be blessed. You love me. You're proud of me. You're, you're a good dad. I'm just going to be blessed. I don't even need to act on that really. I'm just going to be blessed. Maybe you, you struggle with your kids that week and you yelled at them as a mom. You're like, I'm a sorry mom. And God says, you know what? You're my girl. Okay. Satan, he's never going to say you're my girl. He's never going to say anything good to me. Uh, I don't really do anything with that. So I'm just going to be blessed by that thought. I took it captive and I'm like, yep. My flesh says I yelled at my kids because I did. But my God says, that's my girl. That's a good thing. Maybe you're just really struggling and you're fearful and fear has overwhelmed you. And, and God says, I, I actually am with you right here, right now. I'm just going to take that and be blessed by it. You're here in my presence, bringing peace into my life. Just going to be blessed. And then there's those thoughts that we are called to act on, that we are called to do something with. Be active. He said to Abraham, Hey, Abraham, you're rich and you got it made. Go to a land I'm pointing you to. And he's like, where? Over there. Over there? All right. He acted on it. He just like, I'm going. Like, he said it. That settles it. Whether I believe it or not. So I'm going. Somebody hears, hey, give that much of your time, of, of, of your talents, of your treasure. Give that much. Serve there. Give there. Be a part of that. And you're like, okay, I don't have to talk about it. Well, God said to, to give of my time and my talents and my treasure. I need to get 15 confirmations. No, we need to act on it, yes. especially if he gives us specifics. I'm just going to act on it. Maybe he says, serve on that team and give your life away. All right, where did I sign up? I'm going, I'm doing it. So we grab, and if it's not of Jesus, man, we just toss Learn the skill of the grab and toss. It will do you well in life. A number of years ago, uh, we were living in Alaska and uh, had a, a great life, eight and a half years of helping lead this church and seeing you know, hundreds upon hundreds come to, to Jesus and, and even more than that, come to find a, a church home that they loved and plant other churches and and it was like 2,200 people all over the place. And we're going all over the world. I get to do world missions. I get to preach. I get to work with my closest friends. Man, it was fantastic. I, we, have, we had one kid that we took up when he was little. And we had four other ones born there. We're raising our kids in this cool place. And I'm just loving life. We had just walked a church through a, a horrifically traumatic time. Which is a long time. It's like a year of trauma. And came out on the God gets the glory and the people are living a great life moment. And we're just loving it. And God says, go to San Antonio. Now, it's not hard for me in one way. I grew up in that area and I love San Antonio. But like, that was awesome. And he says, time to go to San Antonio. And my first thought was, Satan, ah! But why, why would Satan care about San Antonio? So I was like, okay, this is what I had to do, actually. I was like, doggone it. I learned the skill from you, Jesus, and so now i got to apply it. i got to 
get the iron out. Okay, that's yours. It's still wrinkled, but I can see your words. All right. And, and as, I, as I took the thought captive, I began to think everything through. It's a 30% pay cut. It's a, it's a step down in, in the, the title. Uh, it, it's a move across country with, with my family. It's just a, a lot of stuff. I didn't know a single person in this new church, not a single human in the, new, in the church. I'm like, it couldn't even be like in my old church where I grew up in. People that loved me and loved our family can't be, can't be God, Scott. Uh, that's dumb. Huh. That's crazy. Who in their right mind would do that? Think of the children, Scott. Think of the children. Oh, no, they threw my kids in the mix. But I took the thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I said, okay, I'm taking it captive. I don't know what to do with it now. Like, I haven't done this one yet, this type of thing yet, with this discipline in my life. I haven't had to. What does that mean or look like here? And so what I did is I was like, I, I just, I don't know, Lord, but I don't want to miss you. So I'm going to present it back to you. I prayed more. I presented it back to him and I said, this is big, and I know you know it's big, and I know it's not the biggest thing in the history of the planet, but it's big for me, and it's heart-wrenching. So would you just confirm it? Yeah. Our spiritual mentor, who you've heard many times here, Kelly Brake, who's our spiritual mentor, he's missionary, speaker, he comes here, he loves us. He, he said, Scott, who cares about a step up or a step down? If you hear the living God speak, then you go. I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> and then God said, yes. Go. So we follow the word of the Lord. Okay. Keeping that one. I'm getting out the iron, making it look pretty. And we're going to go. And still some said, ain't no way. And when your friends pull out ain't, that's a big thing. <laughs> ain't no way, Scott. I'm like, oh, no, they use the ain't word. <laughs> Satan whispers, you'll ruin your kids' lives. Yeah. <sighs> that's a dad. That's hard to hear. And then Satan yells, you're dumb, you're just dumb. And I'm like, ha, he's on his heels for something. Like he's getting angry. He went from whisper to the yell to calling me dumb. So I take those thoughts captive from the enemy that I'll ruin my kids' lives and that I'm just dumb for doing it. And that one went in the garbage because I knew what God had called me to. It's a discipline or a habit that a follower of, of Jesus has, but the discipline isn't the victory. The victory is because I follow Jesus. The habit I form and walk in is because of the relationship I have with Jesus, not because I want to do the to-do list correctly and follow all the disciplines. Disciplines are fine, but if they're not because of a relationship with Jesus, you're serving the discipline. Just like reading the Bible. If you're reading the Bible to get your three chapters in, so that at the end of the year you can have all your chapters done, you're missing the point of the Bible. Yes. I read the Word of God because it's Jesus illuminated and coming to life for me. If I read three chapters in a year, and God just has me go super duper slow, but God has me do that, that's the victory. Not finishing Genesis to Revelation. The habit that you cultivate helps you to think on these things, to think like Jesus. We begin to think like Jesus, and then we begin to act like Jesus. 
And get this, where we went to San Antonio, where we were called to go and what we were called to leave, it was hard. Like all caps hard. And it never got easy. Never, ever did it get easy. If I didn't take the thought captive and, and, and present it back to God and say, well, you just confirm this in my heart. When it was hard or never got easy, I'd have been like, you led me there. But I was able to say, you led me here. This is on you, not in a negative way on you. This is like, I trust you. It's for your glory and whatever good I get out of it. And I learned as a minister and I certainly learned as a dad more than I'd ever learned in a two-year period of my life. And I never doubted his leading because I took the time to take the thought captive and present it to the obedience of Christ so that I could walk out of what I need to walk out of or walk into what I need to walk into. How about a lesson that might hit home for all of us right now? No moaning, groaning. Actually, you can. How about government intrusion into your lives? Scott, you're going very current in your article, right? I mean, headline news. You got to do this or it's going to cost you your job. It's going to cost you your freedom. We're going to look at you this way. We're going to label you and shun you. That's happening. If you didn't know it's happening, welcome to America, uh, right? It's, if we take this and we apply it, government intrusions into my freedoms and, and human rights and my response, not my being correct, not my fight, my response. So that happens, and I, I take this thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Hebrews 12.3 is a great passage. I was actually reading it in the children's Bible the other day. Think about Jesus. He held on patiently while sinful men were doing evil things against him. Look at Jesus' example so that you will not get tired or stop trying. Evil men doing evil against him. Think like him, and you will not quit. You will not stop living. You will not stop trying. You will not stop being like Jesus and growing as a disciple. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, as we're taking these thoughts captive, it tells us, take them captive, the obedience of Christ, right? The habit you and I form and walk in is because of the relationship we have with Jesus. That's why he says, do this. You have a relationship with Jesus, the one who saved you. So learn to take these thoughts captive and present them to Jesus or just get rid of them if they don't need to be there so that you can obey Jesus and it goes well with you as you live your life. Philippians 2.5, think like Jesus. When you and I begin to think like Jesus, we will begin to look at everything as an opportunity to love somebody unconditionally. Instead of protecting my own or doing my own thing, or getting my way, or being right, right, right. I look at ways I can love people unconditionally. That's all Jesus ever did. He lived for the sake of others. And he never did anything wrong. You and I, we can't say that. But Jesus says, I got you. I will help you walk this through. I've given you the Holy Spirit to help you walk these things through so you can Think like me and then act like me. Philippians 4, 6 through 9, Paul says, fix your thoughts on these things instead of those things. 
And he says, when we do, when we fix our thoughts on the things that he tells us in those four verses that we read, we will see worry depart from us. Prayer, Paul says, will become your go-to. Not your actions, but your prayers will become your go-to. God's presence there. When I think on these things, God's presence is right there with me. When I think on Scott's things, God's presence is over there. Because I have chosen to move myself away from that. So I got to be like, okay, I'm going to think on these things. I'm going to come back into your presence. He doesn't make me chase him down, but he's also not going to force that upon me if I choose to do things my own way. Thankfulness builds in our lives when we think on these things that Paul says. Thankfulness becomes your, your style. It becomes who you are. You ever met a very thankful, grateful person who just lives bitter? No. No, you haven't. Because thankfulness pushes bitterness out. It gets rid of bitterness. It removes it from that heart, which is, which is the most precious part of all God's creation. Peace. Anybody want peace? Right? We want peace in our nation. We want peace in, in, our, in our workplace. We want peace in our families. I want peace in my heart. I mean, we do. Peace. We want peace in all these areas. We want Jesus' peace because it's only real peace. But Paul says, you think on these things and peace that exceeds anything you can understand comes. Protection for your heart comes from this discipline of taking thoughts captive and thinking on these things. You can walk amongst the rabble and the ruin of society and be unfazed when you and I learn to take our thoughts captive. Do I espouse hate back towards my government? Do I rip on my president? Do I shred my vice president? Or do I take that thought captive and go, Jesus wouldn't do that. Here's what he would do, because he would do something. He'd pray and he'd challenge people to pray and and so we take the thought captive to retaliate with words or actions and we just garbage can it. Nope, it will not own me. Because at the end of the day, stewing on those things is only going to ruin my life now and I'm growing for eternity. That's my life. It's eternal. So I want to live an abundant life here so I can live, uh, so I can see as many people go to eternity with me. Your mind is a battleground Stay vigilant. Man, I encourage you tonight to come to Resonate. When, when we get together tonight for, for Resonate, this night of worship, we're simply going to turn our attention to the one worthy of all of our praise. Yes. We're going to look at him and we're going to go, you know what? I'm not dumb to the world around me. I'm not dumb to the things going on in my life. I, I'm not ignorant of, of this illness that I have or this relationship struggle that I have or, or, or this job insecurity that I have or, or my kids not doing too well. I'm not ignorant of that, but I'm going to turn my attention to you. I'm going to fix my eyes upon Jesus, take hold of his beautiful face. I'm going to let the things of earth grow strangely dim by the light of his glory and grace. And I encourage you to come tonight to resonate and just worship the living God with no agenda other than you're worth it. This God who was happy to leave heaven, walk on earth, die in our place on the cross so that he could save us. 
Let's come worship him. The Bible tells us he was full of joy to go to the cross for you. Doesn't he deserve our praise and worship? So come tonight, discover the, the joy of Jesus by just worshiping with others and praising God together. And as we go into one final song of worship, I'm gonna pray over us. And I'm just gonna ask, if you want help from the Holy Spirit to grow in the discipline of taking thoughts captive, will you just stand where you are right now? I'm not gonna point anybody out or ask you to share anything. Just, I wanna get better at it. I wanna get better at it. Or maybe you're like, you know, I love that practice. It's hard. I, I, I just want to, to be, I want to be able to, to grab and toss. Maybe you just want to, I want to grow and learn how to grab and toss. Or I want to learn how to grab and dwell in the good things that come into my mind from Jesus. I look around, I think almost everybody in here wants to get better at it. You know why? It's hard. It's hard. I do not have it down, but I do know that what I've learned so far in the last 20 years of my life, it has certainly helped me to live a more Christ-life-like and think more like Jesus. But I'm just like you. I struggle just as hard. I'm probably more opinionated than most of you, and that gets me in trouble. But Jesus is bigger than Scott's problems. Jesus, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, when you ask us to do this challenging task, this discipline, this this lifestyle, we know it is impossible. But at the same time that it's impossible, that says that we can't and you will if we walk in that. You are the God of the impossible. You take our weak flesh and you say, watch me shine through it by, by bringing you to this place where I want you to live and be and exist. Help us to take thoughts captive, to grab and toss. Help us to think like you, Jesus, and think on those things that Paul gave us that allow us to live full of peace that is even inexplicable and, and, and have hearts of thanksgiving that just make us smile, full of joy, doing life with our family and discovering the purpose that you gave us. We worship you right now. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more sermons and full service replays, visit us online at hcfburnit.org. God bless and have a great week.